welcome to episode 25 of the Creative Coding Podcast with me, Seb Lee Delisle. Uh, and me, Ian Lobb. Wow, right into it without any bands. See, that's what happens when we only have 40 minutes. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think I've been spurred on by the kind of long ramblingness of the last episode to never make that mistake again. That was. Ridiculous. I think like there was really a good bit about 20 minutes in where I was like, and I go, okay, I've probably bored everyone now, let's move on. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank heavens. And then I don't move on and I carry on talking for another 20 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, geez, Louise. I, I don't know, we, we haven't had any complaints, have we? But I, I just think people probably... We just... didn't have any positive feedback either for that episode, though. But then we don't really get feedback very often, do we? No, but people listen. Why not talk to us? Let let me know. You know what? I've just got back from IO Festival, and that is out of all the conferences that I do. Like most conferences I do, I'll do a presentation. I'll say, so, hands up, who listens to the podcast? And I'll get like five people. Mm. But at IO, like, well, I only did a workshop. I didn't do a presentation. But, um, like, basically people would just hear me talking and come up to me and go... I know your voice. You're the podcast guy. Wow, that's cool. Oh, uh, hello, everyone who went to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's our people, Ian. That's cool. You need to come to next year's. It was awesome. Um, it sounds like a great conference. I'm not sure it's my thing anymore, really. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You've just got to go. Do I? Yeah, I'll talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> we could be their media partners. Yeah, I've heard podcasts say that before yeah. for free tickets. I'll, I'll talk to Dave and, and see what I can do <laughs> for next year. But look, cool, I've man. Got, so I've what, got, were the, what were the highlights of the conference? Um, before I do that, I've just got to show you, because I've switched the video on so you can see my awesome apartment. This okay, is going to be good so for the listeners. I'm getting some humble bragging. I'm going to yeah, do some look audio look descriptions. That. Can you see that? Oh, it's a really big apartment. It's, it's like white. massive. That's like my office in, in uh, Sh- uh, Shoreditch used to look, basically. It's like a big, white, empty warehouse. It's amazing. Uh, it's super cool. See, there's you can a have living, a gig in there. There's a living room area that, over is there. That a red, is that a fireplace at the end? Yeah, there's a fireplace in there. There's an insane thing. fireplace with a chimney. The, it looks see, very this posh. half of the flat is just for running around. It's not even any yeah, furniture geez. or anything. How did you swing this one? Hang on. Before I get to that, I've got to show you this, this out the window. Look, check this out. Okay, the view out. There's some kind of city can't place it could be Copenhagen can you hear that noise that's no, basically I think that's Manhattan and I guess is that um, yes. the Manhattan Bridge uh, no well if you look right up that's Manhattan Bridge because we're under yeah. Manhattan Bridge in the distance you can see Britlin Bridge and Manhattan yeah. downtown pretty awesome but of course the train noises are pretty loud you're right in Dumbo Dumbo yeah Cool. So how did you swing this awesome apartment? It's great. Well, this is the building that Jer lives in, and it's this kind of warehouse. Yeah, I don't think people are supposed to live here, but there are loads and loads of artists and stuff here. So this apartment is a photographer's apartment and studio, so there's all her photography equipment. And um, I got it because Jer Thorpe lives in the building. Sure. And he knows the photographer, and she's, I guess, away for the summer or whatever, so we're just renting it out for a few weeks. Cool. Pretty awesome. Pretty jammy. It's nice because, like, last time I was in New York, I was in a kind of crappy, dark, wonky apartment. Yeah, I saw a photo of it. <laughs> and it was rubbish. And so this one is just amazing. Like, I've only just arrived, but I can't stop staring out the window. But, yeah, to talk about IO briefly. So I've just been back from the IO Festival, EYE, 
IEO, not to be confused with Google IO, uh, which is a digital arts festival in Minneapolis, uh, run by Dave Schroeder. We reported on it quite heavily last year, um, but this year's was even better. I think there was about 450 people, um, and it was just... I don't know, it was just amazing, such a good atmosphere, uh, such great speakers, um, and every every evening there was like a different venue, a, a cool theatre or other in Minneapolis. The main venue is like the Walker Arts Centre, which is like a, a gallery, uh, but they also have venue too. You know, really amazing speakers. I think the first night was um, Paola, Paola Antonelli, who's the curator at MoMA, she did a really cool talk. And then uh, there was like... My friend Alex Bame from Tangible Interactions, I dealt with him a bit on the internet, but he, uh, I met him there in person for the first time, he's from Vancouver, and they have these big, what they call zygots, have you seen those? No. So these big balloons, basically, but they've got these LED cubes inside, and they're touch sensitive, so that you can, they basically, they light up, and they respond to you, and so they just bounce around the audience. And they're pretty amazing. So it was, it was good to see those in action. And I also got cool. to chat to Alex a bit as well uh, about how they work. There's like a, a cube inside it suspended on like, I don't know, cables or something. Um, did you get that on tape? No. Oh, did you get anything I, on tape? No. I, I didn't, no, because I, I was a bit distracted um, during the conference. I, I kind of did an Ian. <laughs> 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 but... Um, Touché. I will, I will, uh, I will get some interviews while I'm in Brooklyn because, like most of the people that I wanted to talk to, like live in Brooklyn anyway. So I'm hoping over the next two or three weeks to get some interviews. Um, but yeah, Alex is probably one one of the only ones that I would have liked to have talked to. But he lives too far away. But I'll get him on Skype sometime. He's super cool. Cool. I had some good New York sound effects then. Did you? Is that just like the the trains? Yeah probably just the trains going by you know that's what happens mm. when you live under a bridge hey i could be an actual <laughs> troll now you're a troll living under a bridge it's perfect <laughs> it's completely perfect that's cool. amazing i'm allowed so, to troll what do you want to talk about this week um should we talk about them them new apples yeah we could do that i was a couple of i guess that's, that's all i need to say about uh, io but it was awesome so we finished cool. that there yeah i just saw this what do you think cool yeah. i'm just i'm they're very expensive yeah i wouldn't buy one personally like the new, we're talking about the new macbook pros i think buying one of those is the equivalent to buying like a mercedes or like <laughs> right the most expensive thing of its kind right yeah it is right yeah. it's the most but and it's like okay like if you've got the money and you ago. want to invest in a mercedes or a mac that's great but like I mean, I'm just looking at the one, the the, the cheapest Retina uh, MacBook Pro is £1,800. Yeah, well, it's about $2,200, isn't it? I think, in America. Something like right. that. Um, that's all right. You know, for a high-end bit of gear. Isn't that I mean, the same the, as the equivalent? the equivalent, well, there isn't an equivalent PC laptop, but like a decent PC laptop would probably set you back about a grand, about £1,000. Yeah, pounds, so a decent... It's about almost but, double the price. But that's the equivalent of the old MacBook Pros, which are about like a grand. Well, no, they're not. <laughs> well, you say they're about you say they're about a grand, <laughs> but the cheapest one is fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah, okay. Well, I'd still rather get one of those. I'm totally want to get a new MacBook Pro. I've just bought a new MacBook Pro, which is a bit annoying. Mm, I bought one like annoying. about a month ago. So, how does do you know how the Retina display stuff works? Like, does it does it just make everything small or well, they've like, they, they say they've updated the OS to 
to take it, you know, to right. to compensate, right? So I assume. That what happens if you just got an application running on it that's third party? Yeah, it'll probably just be really small. Would it be small, or would they, or would it be blurry? No, I don't think they'd be scaling it up. They'll you just don't reckon? Be, no, they'll just make it small, surely. But these things would get really small. Like, what happens to say, like, <laughs> what happens to like a flash game in a web page or just an image <laughs> in a web page, right? I don't think they let flash on it anymore. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, but like, what happens to an image in a web page, right? Does it? Um, do you just see it? I guess it wouldn't look specifically blurry. Yeah, no, it probably wouldn't. I mean, you know how it is in in web pages at the moment. You can just sort of zoom in and out. Can't you can, you? yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that poses problems to Flash because when you do that, it basically upsizes the Flash movie. Yeah. So the, you're then dealing with like canvas sizes in Flash of like, and it'd be the same with canvas as well, right? You end up with a yeah. canvas size that's like sixteen hundred by twelve hundred or something. Yeah, yeah. So obviously I, performance might not always be that great. I think there's definitely going to be a bit of a transitionary period, isn't there? While while people get used to producing stuff for a higher resolution, and certainly mm. I've noticed the web design community all talking about it as a result, saying saying that people, you know, web designers really need to learn about responsive web design now sure yeah and vector graphics yeah where appropriate but don't, you don't tend to see vector graphics that much do you you just like if you look at all of the osx icons they're all just like super high res super high res just yeah getting it's just scaled faster, down. Guess, isn't it? yeah i guess so yeah well yeah, that's i mean a good way to go. i'll definitely some there's some interesting things about the macbook pros especially for the so-called creative coders is that um you know it's got an hdmi and two thunderbolt ports so that'll be interesting to see whether it'll be able to drive three separate displays if it right. can then that will have really big implications for the sort of installations and projection based stuff that, sure that is that three plus the screen yeah um it well it's you know they there's three separate outputs which are capable of plugging into it plugging a display into whether sure. the graphics hardware can actually support that number of different yeah. output devices is, is something that will just have to remain to be seen but I think they've gone back to NVIDIA graphics cards right which cool so that's pretty that's more closer to like the PC gaming type standard yeah. right which tends to be more NVIDIA based so yeah that's probably good news yeah and, and they've um, also introduced uh, a Firewire adapter for Thunderbolt now as well because the new MacBook Pro doesn't have a CD-ROM drive uh, and it doesn't have Firewire so, and it doesn't do have people Ethernet. still use firewire well i do because i've got a lot of cameras which which use firewire like i've got a high resolution industrial camera right oh yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. so you know there's and loads of stuff like that particularly for the, the sort of area again with installations a lot of firewire equipment i'm sure we'll start to see thunderbolt versions coming out but not yet sure and have we talked about windows 8 before or not uh, i think we mentioned it briefly because like i've been really pessimistic about it and i was like i'm definitely going to get a new computer before windows 8 comes out so that I don't get it but like just recently I've heard some people saying some positive things about it like it actually kind of works and like lots of things are improved so I'm not so pessimistic isn't there something now where you can like take your computer to a shop and for like $80 they'll wipe it back to like a normal Windows install in other words get rid of all the crap that the you know the manufacturer put on isn't there something like that that? it was called something one I thing about like Metro is that you know manufacturers won't be able to stuff loads of stuff <laughs> onto yeah. your desktop. 
and pre-ruin your computer. Yeah. Which is cool. Until you go into old Windows mode and when they can. I'm just looking at it. It's interesting. So now. I'm definitely, uh, when I get when I finish Super Gun Kids, I'm going to get a new computer and I'll definitely get one with, I'll hang on probably till the autumn and get one with Windows 8. And I'll be able to tell you all what it's like. I know okay, people cool. have got it already, but I can never be bothered to install uh, pre-release software. I installed it on a, pre- on a virtual machine, but right. I haven't really used it very much. But right. I'll tell you what I have been using this week a little bit. It's a Windows phone. Oh, yeah. Nokia Lumia 800, is it? Sure, yeah. Have you tried one? Um, I've got a Windows phone. It's not that one, though. It's I love that phone. It just, it's like... Well, because I've also been using an Android phone this week. Sure. <laughs> the um, Galaxy Nexus, is it? It's like the, the Google one. The original. Oh, no, the new Google No, the one. new one. Uh, right. And actually, Ice Cream Sandwich, I, I quite like. Right, it's, cool. It's half decent. Uh, That's cool. The only problem with that phone is that it's a bit too big for my hand. But the, right. the Windows phone, the Nokia Lumia, is just, like, in terms of its form factor, I think it's really nice. It's mm. a really good size. It feels really good. And Windows Mobile itself, I don't know what number we're on in Windows Mobile. Is it seven still it's windows mobile seven so it it might be 7.5 someone said mango is that an update or something yeah i guess that's 7.5 it's gorgeous i mean it just looks absolutely gorgeous and i had a lot of fun playing with it it's once you start getting into the details though there's a few sort of loose threads that are just a bit annoying like Mm. if you see a tweet or something with a link in it you sort of tap the link and like the whole tweet sort of looks like it's being pushed in at a sort of angle it's quite ugly right And, and you don't know if you've clicked on the link or whether you've it's on the twit it's all a bit it just feels a bit icky um but it certainly looks really beautiful all the typography and stuff kind of stunning hmm yeah it's a good looking operating system i prefer ios but i think i still prefer ios but um but whereas before when i tried uh, the nexus one you know i just uh, android was just awful it was rubbish a really horrible phone but these two phones that i've been playing with you know, I can actually see that, yeah, I can see why you could probably use those as your phone. You know, yeah, I mean, of course you could use them. But they're a lot closer. I mean, they're a lot closer to iOS in terms of the quality than, than they used to be. You know, they used to be just miles apart. It would be like, no, in my mind, at least, it'd be like, no question. Yeah, why would you use Android? if? It, but now I think, yeah, I mean, and you know what's really amazing in my ice cream sandwich Nexus is that it has tethering that doesn't right. need to be enabled by the, the, sure. uh, the provider. Yeah. So, so while absolutely. I'm in America, it's absolutely amazing, you know, because yeah. I can just tether my iPhone. To yeah, me. I mean, that would be so handy for me like I have to think have to pay like 10 pounds if I want that at home yeah and I do you know but I but if I come to America and put an American sim card in it disappears again so you know it's like it's carrier enabled which just makes me really mad it's kind of a bit annoying to pay through the nose just for them to like change a setting you know it's like really winds me up yeah but then that's it's to do with the weird way that like phones are sold right yeah it's absolutely using this using like the monthly thing yeah it's like i don't pay for anything monthly i buy things i save up the money and i buy them like yeah i i buy the phones as well but to be honest i think but like no i was gonna say except for phones like that's the one thing okay like they get me because it costs you way more money if you actually buy the phone yeah it does i mean that i i think i just bought an iphone outright just because you know because i wanted the control of being able to switch but to be honest i'm just sticking with vodafone anyway because no one else seems to have a decent connection in brighton and even their like net 3g service is just kind of intermittent in brighton it's pretty depressing yeah Um, generally like 
the internet in most places you go is quite depressing in how unadvanced it is. Yeah. Right? Like, 3G... I mean, 4G is not even in the same... It's not even the same system in America and Europe, which is a disaster, right, for international travellers. I don't... Yeah, I don't... I know that in America, uh, AT&T, their 3G is the same frequency as as European 3G so you can use uh, the same phones but T-Mobile yeah. and all uh, the other the only other carrier in America which has SIM cards I think is T-Mobile there might be others now but right. it, at the time it was just T-Mobile and AT&T but T-Mobile their 3G is on a different frequency so if I bring my <laughs> phone over and put it on a T-Mobile SIM I can't yeah. I can only get Edge I can't get 3G so oh, yeah. with 4G I'm even more confused and then of course you've got Verizon and Sprint that, and other I think there's maybe one or two others that don't even use sim cards they've just got their own sort of bit of yeah. hardware in the phone that locks yeah, them to that carrier weird that isn't it it's yeah so <laughs> like phones are really an example of technology going a bad way in a way because they're it's the most locked down like non-free non-open technology right yeah but one thing that was interesting in the apple keynote today is that on the ios 6 you'll be able to do facetime calls over over the cellular network Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure it's going to be carrier locked, right? Um, and then they're probably just they're probably going to charge you more to unlock it, but which is again really, really. Do you annoying. think, or do you think that they will just factor that into your phone bill, and you'll find your your Apple phone bill creeps up next time you like renew? What do you think that it will actually be chargeable as like calls? Well, no, it'll like when you next get a new contract for an iPhone, you'll see that the line rental is a bit higher than it used to be because they factored that in. Yeah, the extra maybe, data that I... would use. But the thing is, data doesn't actually cost the networks anything like they charge you for it. So no, of course not. It's just a way of wringing money out of people, basically. Yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute racket. Of course, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Horrible. I mean, there are lots of things like that though that are just like you find an. It's like organic food. You just find an arbitrary way of finding some people who pay some more money. Yeah. Which, in the case of thing, uh, internet is like high bandwidth users. Yeah. It's, it's yeah it's, and, and it's kind of worse in America and then I heard that it was really bad in Canada as well like in Canada they'll charge you to upgrade iOS yeah we should all just move to South Korea and just <laughs> have a big party yeah it's pretty depressing <laughs> so um, you know what I wanted to talk about okay is Ryan Crichton yeah and his crazy 3D wipe that he he's still trying to really achieve. yeah <laughs> Why do you want to talk about that? I've told him not to bother doing it about 10 times. I think it's interesting. Uh, Why? Okay, go on. I want to hear your take on this. Well, (laughs) I think we agree on it, actually, to be honest. I'm just going to find the Twitter thread. Um, But he basically was like, oh, I installed Away 3D and it doesn't work on the iPad. And I was like, well, I'm not sure that Stage 3D works on the iOS packager yet. I think the new version might do but yeah, if, he's, literally if you're using the latest out. version of Air, it does work. Yeah, which is literally, isn't that the one that just came out like uh, last week or something? I don't know. I'm not really up to date. It's been in pre-release like, for months, I know. Like, Okay. Well, I was saying, I was saying, well, I, I don't know if it supports stage three, but you could try it in 2D. I just thought he was doing like a 3D cube wipe or something. Right. Um, and then I was like, well, can you just use built-in flash 3D transformations? And he was like, oh, no, it needs to be Greek amphora shaped. Yeah, like, he wants to he wants to wrap a two D image onto like a vase. 
spin it round. It's like it's, I tell them that like if a client came to me and said that that's what they want, I'd char- I'd quote them something like twenty thousand pounds because like that's how much effort it would take yeah. to do I'd, it. It's I'd like, just say no. I, I'd huh? refuse to do it. I wouldn't even put a figure on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean to get that to run on, I mean, it's just going to be insane. So I think, but I think that's. But it also is no, there's no real for I like think, a two second effect. That's like not going to add anything to the game really. I mean, I think that there is a value in adding those little bits of fluff and polish to your products, right? Yeah, but there's there's like so much easier ways of doing them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you'll be able to find a, a, a simpler effect that's just as pleasing, right? Hmm. I think this technique is like built into things like Paintbox, which are like yeah. TV graphics effects but things. Aren't they like they were built into like Quantel Harry's or whatever, like from the 80s, and you suddenly started seeing those awful wipes. Yeah. Do you remember the yeah. tube? The TV show, the tube. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. The, wasn't it like, wasn't it called Paintbox? What's the one you know? Quanta uh, yeah, there was Quantel Paintbox as well, I think, but I can't remember. There was one called the Harry. This is the awesome technology that they used to make programmes like Nightmare. Yes. Like real time TV. Oh. TV effects units. They were, they're really cool. Like I did some because I'd like worked in TV for about a year and I, I did some work experience. Yeah. Um, at like a so news think, editing. Yeah. And yeah, like they had one of these things and yeah, they were like showing me how how to use it. And yeah, like Amazing. it's cool. You could like do all these real time effects, like you know, spin things around and stuff. Like things that at the time in After Effects like would have taken you like twenty minutes to render out. <laughs> yeah. You could we all worked in real time. But it was also like horribly cheesy wasn't it I mean oh well, have you abused it yeah like yeah. like any uh, technology maybe it's just, maybe it's come back around to being cool again but uh, <laughs> I, you know I just said to, to Ryan I would just well he, he eventually said well, well what would you do and I was like well I'd just do a 2D wipe <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you sure. know, it's like yeah I think you can I mean I I can't really talk because I know for a fact that I've probably spent a few days on a single wipe effect before. You know, I know <laughs> I have. But, you know, I like to think I've matured a little bit now. I probably sure. haven't. <laughs> you know what I forgot to talk about? Uh-huh. Was the fact that I nearly wasn't allowed in the country. Oh, yeah. What was that all about? Yeah, that was pretty scary. I got refused entry to America. Yeah. Yeah. How so scary did you ever... that? Yeah, because it's pretty tricky. I remember chatting to you about when I was going over for Flash Gaming Summit about, yeah. uh, like, what visas you need and stuff it's really confusing right yeah well I had some lawyers in New York who just like screwed me so bad (laughs) just said they just said yeah it's fine just use a visa waiver program and you can do business as long as it goes through your UK company and um, so I've been traveling to America on this advice for a while now you know and I had all Mm -hmm. my and they said I'll just bring this list of documents which I always did this huge portfolio of stuff with my uh, itineraries and all this kind of craziness Uh, you know big portfolio full of my accounts and mortgage statement all this stuff so but it was just this time into Minneapolis they they pulled me aside and you know and they basically well uh, you know to cut a long story short they they refused my admission now normally well because that's basically a total lie you're not meant to do any sort of work at all under the visa waiver program I think they sort of they're okay with it if you're doing conferences and stuff but, but the thing is it's for like I read up on the at the time right and like it's a visa waiver for business or um like holiday vacation travel but i guess there's a difference between doing business and doing work yeah i think you probably would be okay having meetings and maybe attending a conference 
Um, and, and actually, to be honest, they seemed okay with me speaking at conferences and getting a small honorarium for my time. Mm. You know, they seemed okay with all of that, even though I think officially you should probably get a different visa for that if they were going, you know, if they wanted to clamp down on it, should officially be it. There sure. are more appropriate visas for that kind of work. Um, sure. But yeah, what they had a tr- had trouble with was me selling my workshop tickets and stuff. So yeah. now normally what would happen when you're refused entry is that they'd just put you on a plane home again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, astonishingly, and I, I'm extremely thankful to the, the very nice guard <laughs> or officer that uh, dealt with me, um, they allowed me to stay in America for the conferences and just kicking me out like next Friday um, before I was due to do my workshop. Sure. So I was meant to spend three weeks here in Dumbo, and Jenny's here as well, so we were supposed to wait for three weeks together. Um, but, uh, you know, I did actually have to um, leave the country on the 16th. They put me on parole, so that's how they let me in. I don't mm-hmm. actually have access. They've given me parole to stay here. Um, but I've since got a new um, immigration lawyer who is applying for an extension for me to stay, right. so I should hopefully be able to stay. Because while that application is pending, I, you know, while you've got an, a pending application to extend your parole, you're allowed to stay while until they give you an answer. Right, right. So that's cool. So yeah, so. what? So do you know the name of the visa that you are supposed to have? Well, I discussed it with my new awesome immigration lawyers in Minneapolis. Uh, mm-hmm. She's called Ren- Rachel Engbritson or something like Engbritson. A <laughs> weird name, but she's totally awesome. And her partner Liz. And they, we were sort of discussing it. And there's a few. I mean, we think that probably the most appropriate is. I think it's the I, which is Trades and Treaties, which is is meant to do business-to-business transactions between sure. businesses in America and businesses in treated countries. Um, sure. And there's there, but they're also talking about possibly applying for the O visa, which would be awesome because that's like a, for a person of extraordinary ability. Oh, cool! <laughs> That'd be a and good that, one to get. Well, I I just told them that would really please my ego if they <laughs> one of those, but I think it's quite quite hard it's the one that athletes and actors use yeah so i'd, I'd have to reel out the um the bafta awards and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and sure. show them all my portfolio stuff so yeah mm. but yeah pretty short story the short version is that it was just really scary <laughs> and i yeah. nearly got sent on a oh, plane home um, i tried american customs it's a very scary place yeah which would have just <laughs> been so depressing wouldn't it if mm. like and I've lost so much money from the workshops, of course. And it's all oh, because of those annoying New York lawyers. Yeah. And of course. So this is, this is workshops that you were running independently rather than ones that were part of a conference. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, so I spoke to these, I spoke to my original lawyers and, and I'm like, what the hell? You know, because I've got emails from them because they first did of all you, said I did needed... They, did they charge you for the privilege of this advice? No, but I've paid them for other work. Um, right. But, yeah, usually you'd need... Like, they were suggesting that I got an H-1B or something like that. I always forget the numbers. Um, and But I said, well, I was actually travelling on the visa waiver programme. Is that all right? And they were like, yeah, it's just the same. Just bring the same paperwork, you know. <laughs> and then I kept mailing them because it sounded a bit weird. And I'm like, are you sure? Seriously? And they just be like, yep, you're fine on the visa waiver programme as long as it's through a UK company. And, you know, and it was... So when I got here, I rang them up and I was like, what the hell? And they're like, yeah, you should have got the H-1B. <laughs> and I was like, well, I thought that was a bit weird. That's why I kept asking you. <laughs> and, and their advice was to go home and apply for an H-1B and come back again. But my new lawyers would just say, said to me, well, you shouldn't really do 
that business on an H1B anyway. So I would have gone home, sat in the <laughs> embassy for a day, waiting for this visa, yeah. maybe got refused anyway, come back, maybe not being let in the country again. Yeah. You know, wouldn't that have been awful? Yeah, so, that yeah, would have been I'm pretty fast. annoyed. Mm. Anyway, oh, that's enough of my troubles. Yeah. At least I've managed to hopefully be able to stay here for, for a while. I just had to cancel all my workshops and lose all the money. Bit depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. So, how are you doing anyway? I'm good, man. Yeah, you're yeah. still working on your game. Yeah, still working on the game. <laughs> I'm doing graphics this week. I think I need yeah. to write some kind of blog post about uh, like gra- making graphics as a kind of non-artist because I don't really consider myself like any kind of artist or graphic designer. Yeah, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> So it's quite interesting. I have to yeah. come at it in a very like methodical way. I come at it more like a programmer. Yeah. Not that like I use code to make the graphics, but like I just think methodically in terms of like, okay, this person's head is going to be a rounded rectangle. <laughs> and then like, you know, use like what's the minimum number of lines I can put in to like show an eye or a mouth or like these yeah. teeth or whatever. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. <laughs> like how, you know, what's the gradient to show like the shadow on a vase? Yeah. And that kind of stuff. Stuff. it's quite interesting so i'm learning a bit about i mean the thing is though i'm in this category of like people like vector illustrators who can't actually draw <laughs> of whom there's quite a lot yeah they're just quite like a lot of those though aren't there there's quite a lot of the, the some of the best professional ones actually are not very good at drawing and couldn't yeah. like paint draw you a realistic picture of a hand or something but they just sure. like have a good stylized like style right of, yeah you know some of the best characters like of all time right i'm tr- like the Mr. Men or something. Like, what are the Mr. Men? They're just, like, a square with legs or a circle with legs. And I'm not saying that, like, is it Hargreaves who came up with them wasn't a good illustrator? I'm just saying, like... Yeah. It's not That's necessarily Roger, about Roger your drawing Hargreaves. skill so much as having... Think, making yeah. ca- characters with personality, I guess. Sure. I mean, clearly there's a certain amount of creativity involved with being able to make those characters charming, you know, mm. which, and that's not to say, I mean, he might have been a really good artist for all we know, old Roger Hargreaves, but, um, you know, he wouldn't necessarily need to be. Obviously he's got no. some sort of eye though, hasn't he? Sure. Or he did, he's obviously dead now. Yeah, I guess there's two, two categories, right? There's people like Picasso and Van Gogh, like, who could paint in a realistic style if they wanted to and they learned that yeah. first and then they chose to throw it out and then there are people who are more just like like punk punk artists who just like I'm just gonna draw whatever comes out yeah like a lot of the best web comics are done by people with like like what XKCD say is like that guy's not an amazing artist but it's just like interesting ideas and stuff and he makes the, the strips in a way that communicates like the idea of the comic yeah totally without needing to look really realistic or anything yeah. So, it's interesting. But you're going to do a blog post, yes? <laughs> um, I probably not. I'll just say what I just said. Just, that's it. <laughs> I think yeah, that's just... it. I mean, that's, it's interesting. I guess my advice would be, like, use vector graphics because yeah. they are the ones that where, okay, you don't know how, you're not very really good at drawing a circle. Well, like, vector graphics has got you covered because <laughs> there's a circle tool. And, <laughs> and then, like, if you're in uh, Flash or Illustrator and you want to make, like, an oval where you can get a, a, a cir- make a circle and then deform it, or, like, you want to make a semicircle, you can just cut half of it off. I mean, Illustrator's <laughs> obviously got more powerful tools. Like, you can do Booleans and stuff where you add two shapes together to make a new shape and things like that, yeah. um, which is really handy. And in Flash, you can do the same kinds of things, but in a bit of a down-dirtier way by cutting blobs of paint out around and moving them around. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just, like, keep it simple. Um, use gradients like where appropriate because they can like uh, I haven't used gradients on any of my characters but 
I've used gradients on my uh, like scenery, like so I'm making like a stone floor and yeah. I was just using flat grey with like some lines of highlight and shadow and it just really wasn't working. Whereas like all the characters are flat colours and it works fine. But I just added like uh, a gradient, um, like a, a dark grey to light grey gradient on it and it suddenly just like popped out way more and looked way more like stone. So yeah, yeah. but I mean again like gradients are, are really like a tool that you need, need to, to learn. We need to see your artwork now Ian. Huh? You're going to have to post your artwork. Do you remember advanced podcasts or enhanced no. podcasts? I think they enhanced. were an Apple thing. Enhanced oh, yeah, yeah. Podcasts, it's got a picture on. Yeah. Where you could, like, you could have a timeline of pictures in the MP4. Yeah. You can make them in GarageBand. Yeah, but they only work on Apple devices. <laughs> Or in iTunes, they don't actually work in like most of the things. Because I don't, I only think some a certain small percentage of our users actually probably are on an Apple device when they listen. You think also, a it's a podcast? Like you're walking, you're driving, aren't. you're doing the dishes, right? I guess we can just put one in the blog post. Just put one in. Just yeah, put one a picture at that of the point. floor, my stone <laughs> floor before and after. So everyone, like right now, just look at your phone, iPhone <laughs> slash iPod. And see if there's a picture. And if there no, is, no, we totally sorry, sussed it. No, not on the enhanced podcast. No. We're not going to do that. Oh, okay. That, I was getting excited to, then. Yeah, but it has but to be an M4A. look at your phones now, there an, might be a picture. It has to be an M4A or an AAC or something, not an MP3. Yeah, so. don't, we what we could do, do is I could just change the logo image for this this podcast to be our normal, our normal <laughs> like, art, except with just a big brick, a big, <laughs> big stone, vector stone slab on top. <laughs> You could just, just put a link in. I'll put I'll just put no, I can just on the blog post it can just be embedded in the blog post. So yeah. just go to yeah, creativecodingpodcast.com that we've been talking right now. About. The image is right there. Yeah. So um yeah, what other tips then for non artists? I mean someone's doing a whole series of blog posts about kind of doing vector art for non artists, so I'm kind of stepping on their toes a bit with this stuff anyway, but well, I try and um, encourage coders to just be more creative generally, not just yeah. drawing, but also just get a good eye for animation and things like sure. that. And I think yeah. any sort of any sort of creative process is going to be good for you as yeah. a programmer if you want to get sure, into visual absolutely. coding, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're so like, for example, if you're doing generative art or ge- or like code-based animation, it's a, yeah. you should really know like what you can do with like non-generative art and yeah. and just standard like traditional or timeline animation because you know then you know when what's the easiest way to achieve a certain thing right yeah like one of the best very different one of the best uh code artists is um who did PlayStation. josh davis sorry josh davis right okay and the reason that he's one of the best is actually that he starts often with a drawing yeah and like he uses his drawings as his kind of brushes source and then makes yeah makes a bigger picture out of his drawings and obviously if you're limiting yourself to just squares and circles that you know, processing or whatever can spit out for you. That's not going to be as interesting visually in well, the long think, run, right? If you know, whatever, it's good to learn to draw, right? Even if you're never ever going to draw stuff for your work, just I think that process of you know slowing down, really looking, mm. being very patient, getting into that zone, and and you know iterating over sure. a piece of art is a very valuable 
process for programmers who mostly, you know, obviously we're probably the people doing our sort of work are an exception, but I encounter lots of JavaScripts who aren't really used to making games or doing creative things. And, and obviously their day-to-day life is much more having a list of things, that a list of criteria that need to be satisfied. And it's not really the same sort of experiment, experimental mm. iterative process that we enjoy. Sure. But, I mean, I think I find web design is something that makes you think a lot about the way things sit together. Yeah. I mean, one thing, like, because it's hard to make things sit together the way you want, you, yeah. you kind of think about it a bit more even. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, so that's another thing that I've had to think a lot about because, you know, like, I'm not really, like, a grid-based graphic designer. Like, I have not embraced that whole thing at all. But, like, the longer I do it, the more I find that I start to care whether, like, my top set of buttons aligns with my bottom set of buttons and things like that. Like, so I think and just and that the more you do, like you start to get a bit more OCD about your designs, right? And thinking that things should line up right. And so I'm doing a version of Alspin, just while I've, I've hopefully finished it um, for a big site. What's big site? Well, I won't say which one, a big games portal. Oh, a like, big site. Yeah, one of the big games portals. And you're doing a version um, of Alspin for a games portal. Yeah. So okay. like, and so what that they have very strict guidelines, like almost like Apple style user experience guidelines yeah so i've been like having to go back into the alspin like menu systems and stuff and just check make some changes to reflect their guidelines and that's been quite an interesting process of just like redesigning a, a set of like menus and stuff that i've already designed once just redesigning it and seeing like how i can improve on the kind of user interaction flow and all that stuff yeah so that's that's been quite an interesting process as well okay cool and when will we see that well i mean you know, if you've played alspin you just go you can go and play alspin now just type Alspin into Google and go play. It's not going to be any different. It's just on a new okay. site who, who like didn't want the ads and stuff that were in the old version. All right. Well, I guess we're out of time, right? Uh, yes, we are. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to say? Um, uh, should we do a thing that I've learned or not? Yeah, if you've got time. Uh, we haven't done one of those for a while. I know. I think we forgot all about the feature, actually. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing is I can't remember what folder it comes from. Maybe we should leave that till next episode. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah. do that. O- okay, cool. I'll find we'll out. just have a super episode. short one. See if people like the new short format. Yeah, and I did ask people to write in with questions and like no one has. <laughs> no, no one does. Cool. Talk to us. We know I tweeted you're there. Our, I tweeted what our two most popular episodes were, didn't I? Oh yeah, which were which they? Were, the most popular episode of all time is Flash Ageddon with Stacey McKell McKay. Oh yeah, um, Stacey lives in Dumbo, so I should probably get an interview with her while I'm here. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. So yeah. that's the. That was our most popular ever episode, and that's, that's interesting, had like, isn't it? Yeah, I guess because quite a controversial topic, and like I don't know, Stacey's a good guest as well. And then the second most popular one was, um, and I think this was the most popular of the year, was your interview from FITC with uh, Mr. Doob. That is interesting. But I just think that's because that's he's just a very popular figure, I guess, in the world he is, of and also quite elusive. Mm. So that's probably why. And I think so. I think those two episodes probably had a lot of traffic. Yeah, from, I mean, I think from, probably from not from our regulars. Yes, you know. I mean, so I think they've they, got an unfair advantage because, like. Um, Mr. Doob has probably quite a lot of followers on Twitter and so do FITC and so if they both like tweeted it that obviously gets you like a couple more thousand extra listeners than we (laughs) normally get anyway sure 
So sure. We were going to do a survey, weren't we? We could find out what people's favourite episodes are. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. People, yeah, people really loved my interviews from Flash Gaming Summit and yeah. want more gaming-related stuff. So, so I should. What I need interviews. to do is I need to hook up some Skype interviews. You do. Because if you take care of the kind of like programming art and that side of it, and I take yeah. care of the game stuff, we've basically run the gamut, right, of all our stuff. Yeah. So that'd be cool. It's a dual-pronged attack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because there's just a massive amount of crossover between those two things, right? Like, you know, digital art and and video games are like the two most creative parts of programming, right? I think you're right there, yeah. You know, we could have like a third presenter who does like all the stuff about web database applications, but it probably yeah. wouldn't have the same rank. Right, so, okay, cool, so let's wrap it, up. wrap it wrap it up? Yeah, yeah? consider it so, wrapped. Um, yeah, so next week I've got Reasons to be Creative in New York, and the week after that I'm not doing any workshops. <laughs> Last minute trip to Japan is being arranged, though, for July conference there, which should be fun. And that's all. Cool. And I've got nothing coming up. I'm being a hermit and finishing the game. Sounds fun. Good luck with cool. that, and I'll catch you. Well, let's do another one in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye.